to Around Comics. Welcome back to another episode of Around Comics, episode 367. I am Brian Salazar. With me, as always, Christopher Neesman. And we have a special guest. Tom is out of town. He's up in the greater north hiking or something. I don't know what he's doing. But in his place is comic book scribe and old friend of the program, Will Pfeiffer. How are you, Will? I'm good, guys. How you doing? I, I just thought Tom shaved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm classing it up here uh, with a solo cup. I'm having some work done to my house, so I have nothing to drink out of other than plastic cups and paper plates. I was hoping you'd have a Superman because I noticed I've got the uh, Batman and Chris is sporting the. I've got. I'll. I'll oh, you have I'll both. Uh, you know me, Will. I. I. I, too, I yeah. I Why am I even surprised? <laughs> this is a two-fisted man of action podcast here. That's right. So welcome to the show, Will. It's been a while since. Thank you. I know it's been so long since I've seen you guys. It's yeah, good to see you. It's good to talk. The last time I talked to you in person, well, I think I had, I think you were on an I think you were on with me at one point on Around Comics, which was maybe the last time you were on. I think so. Yeah. Uh, but the first, the last time I saw you in person, I can't even remember. It was like at a convention. I'm pretty Late. sure it was in a bar at the convention. Yeah, yeah <laughs> of course. That, that's that's a that's a high probability answer. Very high. I'm pretty sure it was like in a Hyatt bar somewhere. Maybe <laughs> at uh, sounds about right. <laughs> sure. Two e two somewhere. Well, I was that looking. Was... I was looking at some uh, some our last messages with each other. Right? Not our last, but um, I I found some that were dated from like February of last year. Because I don't work very far from where you live. And we were like, oh, yeah, let's go out to lunch. I know. Great to see you. Let's go stop for a beer. And then the uh, then the world shut pandemic, down. Yes. Everything went crazy. So yeah, I never absolutely. saw you over pandemic. I know. it's. T- I, uh, I, used to, I used to work in Janesville, which is not at all far from where you're located now. So I gonna... work in Janesville now. Oh. So. <laughs> we you betcha. To each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm still only like a half hour from Janesville now. So Sure. But, yeah. I'm all about yes. to work from home. Will, Will is actually from the same hometown as you're not from there, but you live in my dad's hometown, which is Rockford. Oh, Rockford. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't know if it was another. I, no. When you said I was from, I was thinking. No, well, you're, you're from you're from Ohio, right? I'm from Ohio. Yeah, but yes, I. Uh, you went from Ohio to Rockford. I got a job. <laughs> I was like, I was at Kent State University, and I was. Mm-hmm graduated and i got a call saying hey you want to come work in a newspaper and i was like it's a job it was like a week out of school how could i turn that down mm-hmm. well if I didn't come oh, on oh, here, ohio, I never ohio to rockford is kind of a lateral move i know sadly you're probably right <laughs> from the youngstown area to rockford it's arguably a mm-hmm. upscale move maybe i was That's just right. in rockford mm-hmm. for a uh, funeral unfortunately but i, I was oh. just there yeah and a lovely church in 
masks and behind plexiglass. It was a very strange funeral. I'll bet. I haven't been, I mean, I haven't been in a church in a long time, but I definitely haven't been in a church since uh, COVID. So it's, uh, it must be an odd. It was very strange. It was very strange. Yes. That's all I'll say. We don't need to go down that road. (laughs) I remember um, we were talking about C2E2 and that, but it was last, you know, about a year ago, right around now, a little, was the end of February with C2E2. It was kind of like the last convention of the year. I think so, in America. It, it was the was. last big one, yeah, mm-hmm. for comics. And I was there, and we were all, like, COVID was a thing, but nobody mm-hmm. knew what it was going to be. And so everyone's, like, jokingly like, oh, no handshakes, let's elbow, and this and yeah. that. Well, but, it was it was the swine flu or whatever. Right. Yeah, so it's like, oh, this too will pass, and, like, 20 people will die, and they'll all be from New York or L.A. Right, exactly. And mm-hmm. turns, that's not how it turned yeah. out, but... Well, <laughs> well that's... <laughs> Screw those guys. where it happens. That's right. Now, so so back to Rockford, real quick. Mm-hmm. You you uh, were the uh, um, you were entertainment uh, writer for the Rockford Gazette, Register the, Star. The re- okay, was, uh, the Register Star. So I worked there for more than twenty years. I got hired right out of college, and I was actually a copy editor and page designer, and then gradually like mm-hmm. features editor, graphic editor, that sort of thing. But I was also quote unquote the movie man so i had a weekly movie column for like 20 years Mm -hmm. and it was went from vhs to dvd to blu-ray and uh i still have a giant library in the basement of free movies that i got sent over the years it was beautiful criterion warner brothers hbo they sent me everything (laughs) (laughs) well it was was a big deal whenever i was talking to my cousins and uh and i said yeah we had uh we had a comic book creator from uh from rockford on the show and they're like really and i was like and they're like who i said well it's will Will pfeiffer like will pfeiffer he's on tv here oh i know that's that was the weirdest thing is um i used to be on tv and the radio every week and uh-huh. uh, not something I ever planned in my life. I mean, I was a you know journalist and writer. I was never expecting to be on camera on mic. But I, it was so weird. More so even than TV. When I was on the radio, I would be like in a checkout line, and somebody would hear my voice and go, mm-hmm. "Are you that guy on the radio that talks about the movies?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, that's me." I'm that Paul, guy. Paul Harvey <laughs> talked about that. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure it was Paul Harvey it would talk about the connection that that people on the radio um have with with listeners as opposed to tv personalities it's really weird but as a podcaster who has been in those situations where you're like literally checking out at the grocery store or you know in the comic shop or whatever Mm -hmm. it, it would happen more often but someone would hear my voice and be like are you are you on around comics? Yeah. And, was, yeah. and they would always like want to shake your hand and, and, and because I think whenever you hear someone, it, it feels like it's you and them to where he, you know, he would say with like TV personalities, people would like would step back and be like, Oh, who, Oh, that's that guy. That guy. So, yeah. It's weird. Yeah. And I think you're right. And especially podcasts. I mean, I think it's a lot more intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, you're they're in your ears. You know, most people listen to podcasts on some side of headset or earbuds or something. So they're right there in your head and you develop sort of an image of who they are and what they're like. And yeah, yeah so I think I think you're right. I think that maybe I remember, that, that explains it. I remember as a kid, um, I listened. You know, there was a lot of talk radio in Chicago, a lot of 
pretty popular talk radio stations and talk radio DJs. And there was also like rock DJs, that kind of stuff, oh. rock stations on the loop. And Steve Dahl owned that town. Yeah, yeah. Gary and Johnny B and all those guys. Yeah, but it was always, in that. I remember those yeah, guys. They were, they were huge at one, one time. But I always remember like, I can't remember her name, but there was a girl that did like late night rock on some station. I can't remember what it was. And she had this very sultry voice and very sexy. <laughs> and then you met her and it was like, oh, you don't you don't look anything like no. that. There's a Magnum P.I. episode that is about exactly that, about a, a Vietnam uh, DJ that all of the troops were absolutely in love with. And then you met her in person and she was not anything like she sounded. Yeah. I remember in Rockford, there were women, and they're not unattractive, but they, they mm-hmm. would, they even thought it was funny. Like, they built up these, like, guys just love them. And oh, they're yeah. like, if they, you know, saw me, I mean, I'm just an average person, but it's, you'd build it up in your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the imagination of it. You hear that voice, and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you just create some sort of, you know, myth that goes along with it. Exactly. And yeah. The best the best game is to do that with NPR radio personalities, mm-hmm. like the, uh, the 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 anchor men and women. It's like, hmm, I wonder what Steve Enskeep looks like. Let me Google here. Oh, not that. It's never what. <laughs> yeah, it's never what they look like. Never. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah i i don't I only had a couple of instances ever where people recognized my voice, which was a weird thing, but. Just being recognized or just, for the podcast at all was always a very odd thing. And I had one relatively re- recently in the last couple of years, a guy at my gym that didn't know, didn't recognize my voice or anything, but or didn't recognize me. But then I we got to talking and I mentioned a podcast mm-hmm. and, he, and then all of a sudden like the like it all clicked. yeah, a light ball clicked. And this isn't like the gym pumping. This is the jujitsu gym right yeah this is my okay. school. Yeah. and and he's a uh he was a higher belt than i was uh you know and and uh you know an adult guy <laughs> he was you know <laughs> but it was like all of a sudden you could see that weird Ooh. awkward like <laughs> thing come over and he got nervous and it's like Dude, we've been talking for three hours. Like, don't you know? <laughs> now he's intimidated. Yeah, that was always very weird. Whenever we would go to shows, and and we've talked about it over and over again. But, yeah, you guys must yeah. have, I would think. Yeah, it was fun. It was cool, and it, you know, it was just like, hey, thanks for listening. That's that's yeah. awesome. That that we uh, are interesting enough, uh, you know, for you to spend some time with. Yeah. And that's cool. And, you know, and I feel that way about a lot of other podcasts. There are there are there are podcasts that sometimes I don't even like the subject. I just like the presenters and you know just the you know the timber of the voice, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. There are just people that that I really enjoy listening to. I so. always think that the presenters and the personalities, I think they're more important than the subject. Because there's mm-hmm. a couple movie podcasts that I won't name, but like that I don't I would normally love it. But I've listened a few times, and the hosts, for some reason, I just don't click with them, and I don't listen. And normally, I'd love hearing anyone talk about those movies, but I just don't want to hear it. Yeah. I think it changes over the years, too, what you find interesting or what you find someone's opinion. Inter- it, it, it's like I I find more and more I'm I'm like just attracted to enthusiasm for something. Mm-hmm guys that are just very or or girls that are just very enthused about some subject and it's Mm -hmm. like that starts to get sort of infectious and it's like oh i i i want to feel that's how you got wrapped up into QAnon. 
That's how exactly. That's <laughs> very enthusiastic. <laughs> the, the enthusiasm very. it just grabbed me, and I couldn't. What? Oh. Have you guys been watching that on HBO? The no, uh, is it no, good? I haven't I, seen it yet. I'm really afraid. It's it, it's very well done. It's very interesting, and it's a little scary. And it's a uh, but it's um it, it, it's weird watching it because the second the first episode is sort of like. You know, kind of gives you a background a little bit about Q and like who follows it. And it's more about Trump followers and MAGA and that kind of thing. And then it introduces you to a guy that runs 8chan, which is the message board that hosts um, or he originally horrible things. <laughs> well, just it's free. It's yeah. anonymous. You can post anything. And, and Q mm-hmm. hosts yeah. on the board. So you, orig- you meet the guy that originally created it and then he ended up leaving it and or not leaving it but selling it to someone else who now runs it and then the second episode you meet them and it's this father and son and it's they're very awkward weird kind of strange people and then so it starts to become this question are they q possibly mm-hmm. and that's sort of the thing but then it there's this they go through this sort of timeline of how q sort of existed or how it became what it was and it starts way back with um like 4chan mm-hmm. and then um gamergate was a huge okay. part of it oh, and it was very odd to watch it in you know like sort of in this linear timeline of, of seeing these things happen at the same time you know like kind of being not involved in that but like being in comics, being online with comics, and then you know comics had its own right comics, comics gate and that and and the gamer gate and the nerd community and you know I've never gotten down into any of that dark places, but it was just very odd of like going oh okay yeah I remember that I see I remember you know and and then has as they sort of lay it out of how it went from that to what it is now and it's just like oh it's a little it's a little scary. And and it's a little bit like Comicsgate was the screaming little toddler that that grew into QAnon, basically. Well, gamers, gamer game. Yeah, because yeah. Comicsgate yeah, gamer was like an offshoot of, mm. or I don't know if it was related. I mean, they took the name or the name. Yeah, I meant gamers, game, yeah, gamergate. Gamer so. But I think with both, it, it it's this weird thing of like it starts off as just sort of one thing, and then it gets sort of incorporated into more of a political. Thing. you know like it's overtaken by i don't know who you know what i mean like it's, it's this odd thing because it's so anonymous and people love a conspiracy yeah and this yeah. one's grabbed on and people really ran with it and i mean but there, there's, there's a woman there's a woman they keep going back to and i think she's she might be running for congress at some point uh, <laughs> yeah and i think but they, they like at one point they're like She's like, well, I would believe anything at this point. I'd believe anything. You, I can't, you know, I, I think anything's possible. And they're like, so you believe the earth could be flat? And she's like, sure, anything's possible. Uh, <laughs> and they're just like, okay. Uh, no, no. Have, you, have you seen uh, Beyond the Curve? No, no, no. Is that the Flat Earther documentary? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, yeah, sorry, Sal, go ahead. No, no, it's okay. No, I was just, it was, so it was just a little odd. It, it's very good. It's very interesting to watch. It's on HBO Max, right? Is yes. It? Yeah. Okay. And um, I think, like with anything else, the the 
the storytellers have their own sort of agenda. Oh, sure. Um, sure. You know, I find this more and more with documentaries that I, I start to see, you know, I think a really good documentarian just documents. shows the facts. <laughs> documents. And just document. And, and but you're seeing more and more of these sort of documentaries mm-hmm. that are agenda-driven to some degree. Right. And good or bad, but it's just they're, they're influencing how you're seeing things and they're pushing things. And it's like the reality TV thing. Like, it's not quite reality. I mean, they're trying yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, it's edited in a way that I mean, yeah, they could tell a million different stories with the footage they have, and this they, is the they could they tell have. the exact opposite story with the footage, mm-hmm. right? That they, that they have if they if they wanted to. Yeah, it's all it right. is certainly the agenda of the filmmaker, but that's also why people you know do that. That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know that much about QAnon, quite honestly. And and yeah, after watching two episodes, I'm sort of like maybe. We have too much freedom of speech. Maybe <laughs> Dude, I've always been very. That is the most German thing you've ever said, my friend. I hate I'm, to say I, it, but sometimes I, I know what you mean. Sometimes, you know, like it is, it is where it's like, you, hey, we do have freedom of speech, but you can't yell fire in a theater, and the internet is basically a giant theater that people are constantly yelling fire. Exactly. In. Yeah, they are yelling fire. I mean, yeah. if it if you yell it and it involves people storming the Capitol, it seems like fire was yelled in the theater at some point. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. it's it's a weird time that we live in, and and uh, yeah, watching that is just like uh, there's there's I've always loved the internet for the ability. You know, like I love having resources at my fingertips. I can look up just about anything, any kind of information. I can go down a hole, you know, a black hole of information. I mean, we've all done that. We walk around with mother box in our freaking exactly. But I've always been pretty good about like early, early on. I, I, you know, I think I went down some dark paths on the internet, but I pretty quickly was like, yeah, I don't need that shit in my brain. I don't really, that's not what I want in my head. And it's like, I've stayed away from that stuff for the most part. And then you, you know, it's like, so I, I almost start to forget that it exists as dark as it is and as horrible as it is. And a place like 8chan is like the worst right. of it, of, of freedom of speech. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a, uh, you know, it's just a license to, not a license, but it's almost like a dare to just be horrible. Right. Who can be more horrible? Somebody posted this. Oh, I can do worse than that. Yeah. Keep talking yeah. in. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's funny. I heard a story today that uh, high schools, a lot of, a lot of high schools around the country are starting to offer classes in uh, internet myths and disinformation. Yeah. Which I think is something that should be taught to everyone. I, I, mean, you know? I mean, I've got a, 15 year old here who spends a lot of time on the internet and you know you know it's you know it's one thing to say limit screen time and say well you can't go on these sites but it's like you know it's the world we live in i mean they have yeah. to you have to teach her or your kids and hopefully they'll have the common sense to you know know you know look skeptically at what they're reading and so far she seems to be doing pretty well so i think that's really the key you have to trust that you're able to to teach them how to you know, discern those things and just make good decisions like anything else. And right. I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of amazed, like my kids are to this point, I think the same thing. I, I kind of trust their 
decision making for the most part in that regard. They've never really had any issues um right. with that. So it's like, okay, I you know, hopefully I did a good job. You know, what do you I mean, and that's all you can do because at a certain point you're you're going you know, you're not gonna be able to control what they see at all. Right. And you're gonna hope that you've let them you've given them enough of a foundation to work with. And I mean it's not something our parents never had to worry about us as kids having you know, a device in our hands that could bring us everything in the world. You know, I mean, you know. things you couldn't imagine. Oh, most exactly. horrific things you could not Unless imagine. Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby imagined it. I hope he didn't imagine the level of pornography on the internet. <laughs> oh, he did. Vince Coletta was his best friend. Oh, that's right. Um, Vince Coletta. <laughs> uh, back to documentaries, because you are, if I ever have a movie, movie question, huh? a movie. You are Mr. Movies. If I ever have a question about movies, anything, uh, you're the person that I would reach out to. Uh, Who's your favorite documentarian? Oh, you know, I would, I think probably, um, oh, oh, um, Thin Blue Line, Errol Morris. I really like Errol Morris's stuff. I really, I mean, because. You've you've seen Gates of Heaven, right? I've seen Gates of Heaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thin Blue Line. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. We saw we saw Gates of Heaven at the Virginia Theater in Champaign, Illinois. I think it's called the Virginia. It was at the Roger Ebert uh, Overlook Film Festival. Ebert was and Errol Morris was there. Oh, Errol Morris is there. Excellent. Yeah, it's in Ebert's top five all time all time right all Ebert time. Yeah. He did one called Fog of War, mm-hmm. which with was about McNamara. Robert McNamara. Mm-hmm. Which is I find it's fascinating, and he he does this thing in it where he um he talks about the the bombing raids in I I think it's World War Two actually I think it's like bombing raids in Japan, and mm-hmm. he'll like talk about how many people were killed, and then he'll like give you okay this is the equivalent of Des Moines Iowa you know this is he gives it like an American city so you could. Yeah. You know, equivalent. You equivalent. I don't think that's a word. That's so a you new can word. Make the connection. <laughs> and again, like we were saying, that's a I mean, pretty word. Morris, Errol Morris. I mean, he he edits and he has a. He loves using old footage and he has a. I think he developed like a certain camera. So when he interviews people, they're looking right into the camera. It's like mm-hmm. this, you know, which gives it a different feel. I mean, there's a guy who definitely has an agenda when he he makes his documentaries. Yeah, but, but it's a it's... compelling agenda in most cases. So yep. We do have a uh, uh, comment from Wayne Masso. Masso? I don't know how you pronounce that. Kevin Eastman said oh. that the way the producer of the toys that made us uh, really skewed his relationship with Peter Laird for purposes of oh. the documentary. I can so see that. Interesting. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the drama. By the way, I went to, uh, I, it wasn't the main producer, but a woman I went to college with and worked on the college paper is a producer of the toys that made us and mm-hmm. the movies that made us. And that's, that's a, I, I'll just drop that. The, the toys. I don't watch all of the toys ones, you know, I, it, just the ones that I loved and grew, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but the, the movies that made us the diehard one is that was great. Wasn't it? And the difference between those two shows is that on the toys that made us, they're talking to like toy designers and marketing people, mm-hmm. maybe like, Larry Hama would jump on right, and be happy. Yeah. yeah, for the G.I. Joe. And so you get all these people that are just like, you want to talk to me? Oh, yeah, but we did this, and we did this, and <laughs> yeah. we did this. And then they'll do, like, you know, the, the movies that made us die hard. And it's like, yeah, Bruce Willis declined to comment. Yeah, he's not going to be <laughs> But in a way, that's interesting, because you get the screenwriters or something, and then you get, a, you know, a whole different... 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've heard all the stories about Bruce Willis, you know, and I mean, what's he really going to tell us anyway? But sure, uh, sure. The well, toys that made us. So one I highly recommend is the Barbie one. Okay. Partly oh, sure. because it's fascinating. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a fascinating story. I thought all those that first wave of toys that made us were really interesting. Sure. But on the Barbie one, they interview some big executive. I can't remember what her name is or even what she did. But for some reason, in the room she's being interviewed, in the background, in a chair, there's like a life-size dummy mannequin sex doll. I don't know <laughs> what it is. They Husband. never address it. But it's like you're watching. Like, it's there. What is that? Listen, we hire that. people that are passionate about dolls. That's right. Well, she's clearly arms. passionate. <laughs> did I talk about um, Class Action Park, the documentary? I saw that one. That that. <laughs> That was wild. <laughs> that was wild, and 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 I went from like, this is awesome. I would have totally been there at thirteen years old if yeah, I lived who wouldn't? to like, oh, this is terrible. These these people are dying here. I mean, it really did like, yeah, it made that kind of turn where at first you're just like, this is amazing, it's incredible, and then it's like, oh, I guess there are human tragedies involved yeah. here. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were paralyzed. You wouldn't think it was quite so funny. You would not. How do you like the uh, the like spoof documentaries? I mean, that's going all the way to like the Christopher Guest stuff, where it's they make a comedy out, but film it completely documentary style, and it kind of the next step. Like one of Salon, my favorite shows is a, a fake reality TV show. That's what we do in the shadows. What? Oh, completely. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, we were yeah. just watching it last night. We were we were watching a couple episodes, but one hundred percent real. That's 100% oh, real. That's not fake at all. That show is so good. We just watched the uh, the Vampire Council episode for like the 900th time where it has like mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton and Wesley Snipes and Pee Wee and, you know. Uh, <laughs> all of the vampire, All of the vampires. I kept thinking, my wife disagrees with me. She said that would just be too stupid. But I thought if only in one shot they had had the count from Sesame Street, I would have mm-hmm. like fallen over dead. <laughs> it would have been beautiful. <laughs> Count Chocula. The no, Count Chocula. The, I mean, I'm sure you've seen the the movie, right? The, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I, I love I a good think The show is much better than the movie. Yes. Yes. I like the movie, but I agree. I mean, the show it just because you would they just take it in different directions, yeah. and they've they've expanded. You know, they've changed the cast and that, but they, it just there's like a real yeah. heart to it in some ways too. And like, mm-hmm. you oh, feel for yeah. poor Guillermo who can't get made into a vampire. <laughs> I know it's, it's odd. And then, and then his dream to be a, a vampire and spoilers, he finds out that he has vampire slayer blood. <laughs> he's a Van Helsing. Right? He's, a, he's a Van Helsing. <laughs> it's like he's, a Dutch. Yes. It's, uh... <laughs> it's Did like, you hear that they're the most um... un-Dutch person ever. And <laughs> no, which is his name is Guillermo. For fucking part. It's, it's, well, that's the gag in the, in the, a little in, bit of in the finale. It's, uh, Guillermo Rivera, or I forget his last name. What is it? Guillermo's William in uh, Spanish, by the way. So, mm-hmm. uh, did you hear that uh, there's a spinoff? That's uh, what I'm from just the gonna movie? say. Mm-hmm. The and it's it's filmed. It's like it starts this spring or or summer. They're gonna start oh, airing it. Nice. So it's in the can. It's um yeah. It's it's like based on. It's like a cop show, but it's yeah. based. You know, they investigate paranormal activity in New Zealand. So yeah. It's the, the poor the poor New Zealand cops that <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's been a while since I watched the movie, but it is it's worth the watch. It's weird because oh. I I watched the first season of, of the TV show oh, and well, then, then went and then went back, watched the movie, and 
the payoff for the whole thing where they keep building up about the beast, his enemy, the beast, the beast, the beast, mm-hmm. and then it's his ex girlfriend. <laughs> it's just it's perfect. Well, she is a beast. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> like a normal. I mean, she's a vampire, but otherwise, you know. nothing is better than the superb Al party. Yes, the oh. superb Al. The Jackie Daytona is the greatest. I think yeah. that's the best episode. Hold on. Let me, Wait, put on, put on, let me put on my disguise. <laughs> Wait, what? Chris, where'd you go? Who's this new person? <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> yeah, and then when he t- and Mark Hamill's at the bar and he takes the, the plastic yeah. out and he's like, Because oh, <laughs> at first I wasn't sure. Does he? They must know, right? But they didn't no. know. Have you seen. Uh, the show Toast of London that is Matt oh, Perry's yeah. his British show. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were watching that later. I think that's, they're doing now. He's going to do that in America coming up. Okay. So. Well, that's another weird because there are I, several people where I've just been like, "Have you seen you know what we do in the shadows?" And they're like, "No." And you know they'll pull it up and say, "Oh, it's a guy from Toast of London." So mm-hmm. I never even knew about Toast of London until some. Yeah, we didn't know about year. it until. Yeah, what we do in the shadows. And then he did another. There's another show. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. I picked up a DVD at some point, but called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Have you heard of this? And it's mm-hmm. Matt Berry is the supporting character. He's not the lead guy. I can't remember who the lead actor is. But it, what it is, is there's a Stephen King-like author. This is the setup of the show who made, who starred in a show based on his books, which were terrible. So this is like a show within a show. He hosts as the author and then he stars in it. And it's like set in this hospital where there's mystery and ghosts. And it's it's the most amateurish, terrible show ever. But it's hilarious. And there's like six episodes because they don't want to you know wear out its welcome. But it's highly worth seeing. And Matt Berry's his best friend or something. Did you ever see the show? Uh, it was it was like a limited series thing. I don't remember how many episodes it was. And I don't even remember what it was on. It was Will Farrow and and a whole bunch of other people, but Farrow plays basically a um, uh, what's his name, uh, Citizen Kane, um, Hearst. This does sound familiar. No, no, no the uh, direct the director. Uh, oh, um, Wells. Yeah, yeah. Wells. He plays this Wells sort of aged Wells director who uh, had had you know had this masterpiece that he never finished and. It is one of the most bizarre. Did but... you like narrate it from like a restaurant or something? Yes. yes. Okay. I, I do vaguely remember this. It's so strange. And then, but it goes back in time and like, it's this combination of like flashbacks to when he was younger and like, you know, weird things that were happening and how his films threw up, you know, fell apart. And then, scenes of the show that he's making it was so and Kristen wig is in it yeah and they play it completely straight but yeah, it was like, so ridiculous. jessica alba was in it at some point yeah there was or... a bunch of people in, yeah. it was amazing and i don't remember anyone talking about of this thing i vaguely remember that yeah i'd have to look up under look under will ferrell but yeah it was such a bizarre show that nobody ever talked about it, and I, oh. I loved it. It ran on, like, IFC, maybe, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think yeah. it was IFC. Um, <laughs> IFC amazingly has some pretty good oh, Talk about documentaries. The uh, uh, documentary now. That's just what I was going to mention. Oh, my God. I love it. I mean, I, when they... When Spoils I of Babylon? Show, oh, yeah, that's it. Spoils of Babylon. Okay. Uh-oh. What happened to Sal? Where's Sal? 
Did we get so excited about documentary now? Are we still on? Documentary now. You know what? <laughs> Just assume that we are. Okay. So, um, you know, I was. I'm back. Oh, yeah. Oh. When I filed Babylon. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's what you crazy. It was such a bizarre. I want to watch it again because I I don't even know if I got it all when I watched it. It was so weird. It was, yeah, it was many levels, like levels within levels. Yeah, like grapes of wrath and like it felt like giant at some times. It was so insane. It looks like David David Spade and Toby Maguire and yeah, so many people in it. It must yeah. have been like Haley, the, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, they just wanted to work with Will Ferrell, I guess. Maybe or Tim Robbins. Yeah. I think Tim so. Robbins in it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's, it's amazing. But documentary but, now. When I started watching that, I was saying they made this show for me. I can't imagine who else even likes it. <laughs> oh God, it's so good. It's it was so, so specific. Like when they would do something, like they did that one. They did one about guys who sold globes door to door, like an old black and white. <laughs> one of the first ones. Yeah, which is insane. But the thing is, it is exactly based on this documentary called yeah. Salesman about Bible salesmen. And which it, it I didn't know that. One. But I went and watched that documentary just so I knew yeah. what they were making fun of. And it's, and like, it's so close. Yes. Dude, when it. they did the one with, um, oh, what is the actress? She's a phenomenal actress. Oh, um, uh, 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 Kate Blanchett, that one. Was yes, it, yeah, was the artist, right? The artist. She plays this very extravagant and and you know obtuse yeah. artist. There was a point when I was watching that where she was so good, I forgot that I was watching a fake documentary. Yeah, like she was so amazing in it that I'm like, I thought for a minute I was watching a real documentary about this incredibly insane genius artist. That's how good they are. They are. Those shows are the oh, the 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 one they did on the the blue jean. What was it? Oh, blue the blue. Well, yeah. Well, it was the band. Oh, it was so good. And like at a certain point, it's not even really trying to be funny. It's just trying <laughs> to be kind of like a interesting story. Maybe kind of a touching, sad little yes. tale and everything. Oh, and then Helen Mirren introduce each one as if it's a real. Like yeah. document, like this is a show that's been on for fifty years. And right. the new mm-hmm. They never once let on that it's a joke. No, it's brilliant. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah. One of my favorite things that that I've found. And and same thing. I'm like, oh, I'm sure no one is watching this, but it, exactly. it, it is. Who else could be? Well, I'm glad best. two of us. Whenever enjoy. you feel like you might be the only person, you know, that you're not. Enjoys it. So so, Will, I, I'll see if you'll. You have a chance to make my day or disappoint me just a little bit. Oh, so I have, kind of had this this ongoing thing with with Sal that I, it is my favorite TV show currently on, and okay. I understand it's a little <laughs> nuts. Snowpiercer is the is my I would say it's the best TV show. On. It is my favorite thing on oh, TV right on now. Multiple times you have called it the best television show. And I'm on- gonna stop doing that. It is I, my favorite. I have to say show this. On TV. I we I saw the movie. I really liked the movie. Mm-hmm. I started watching the show and at some point we kind of bailed. Mm-hmm. We were just like, it's okay, but we're not just not getting that much into it anymore. That's I'm because sorry. Of taste. That's- <laughs> Sec, go back to, to finish up like the last two or three episodes of season one. 
Watch season two. It's been do fantastic. It, I don't do know if well. I'm going to do that. I just finished do uh, he's one like, division. He's like, I'm not going to do that, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I appreciate it, but I don't think I'm probably Love you, but no. <laughs> I can pretend I was going to, but I don't think I'm going <laughs> to. It's so good. It's so good. It's Me, so good. I'm, we watched I'm, it for a while, and I don't know. At a certain point, we my wife and I every so often, we find it very freeing when we're watching a show, and then we'll look at each other like, I don't really want to watch this anymore. We'll just turn it off. We'll turn it off in the middle of an episode. We'll be like, we're never coming back to it. We yeah, started so watching uh, Resident mm-hmm. Alien, and mm-hmm. then I just we just kind of, yeah. I like the oh, Alien, but everyone else I didn't really care about. So it's the only the only scenes I really like in that are with him and the kids. Yeah, you know, I like him a lot. I I never read the comic. In fact, I don't even know if I realized it was a comic when it when I started. I knew it was. It was a. It's a. It, it, the comics or? about the same. It's okay. It's yeah. I don't you know I, I I didn't love the comic. Um, I think the show is, yeah, kind of the same. Meh, take it or leave it. Some people yeah. probably like it, but it's just not for me. And that's the thing. Like now, it's just there's so much. I can't even keep up with the amount of good shows that right. I want to watch. Let alone have time for something that I'm sort of lukewarm on. Exactly. Yeah, so same it's thing. So like, much. I spent four hours watching Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, Does I did too. I did I, too. I did that. <laughs> we can talk about that. We can talk about that. Oh, man, I, uh, I have, yeah, so many thoughts. Um, I, and I never saw in its entirety the the other cut. The uh, I here's League the thing. Cut. I'm a weird comic test case on this. Never saw Man of Steel. Never saw. Batman versus Superman never saw the original release. This is the first Zack Snyder DC movie. I'm with you. I yeah. saw bits and pieces of them, but mm-hmm. I never saw the whole thing. So this is the first scene at all. Yeah. After, yeah. I saw no- the Owls of Gahuli, though, his animated movie about warrior owls. <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds like it would be more interesting than Justice League was. Uh, it was probably about, you know, it was, it was okay. Was it, <laughs> was, it four, was it four hours? It was not four hours long. It was probably a hard hundred minutes or so. I lo- What I love about the movie is that in the Snyder cut, they're working so hard to set up the sequel. Right. And it's at not, the end. I don't, I mean, who knows though? Maybe there's been a lot of, Maybe it'll happen. <laughs> there's a powerful Snyder audience. There is. I mean, they spent $70 million to recut a film that no one, I, I mean, yeah. I, well, the original was a box office. I mean, it made money, it made but it wasn't, money. A, it wasn't what they wanted. No, no. but yeah, they this, wanted the Avengers and they didn't get it. And they didn't get yeah. it with this either. I mean, this Z- is, Zach no. Snyder fans are kind of like Nickelback fans. They can be really, really loud. <laughs> yeah, completely. I did. I read somewhere that um, it didn't even have the viewership that the Wonder Woman eighty four movie had for yeah. all the noise that yeah. it didn't. It didn't get that much. Viewership. What did I mean, the, the Justice the, League? This just oh, the Snyder, Snyder cut. cut. Yeah. Well, that's I that's, hours. that's well, that's. I think whenever Wonder Woman came out, a. Uh, I think this is just me spitballing. Mandalorian was still on, so I think a lot of people had the the. Oh no, different it, network. No, it's on HBO. Yeah, yeah it's HB. It's HBO. It maybe was, maybe uh, yeah. it was New Year's. Plus, you know, it's. I think people were really starved for big right. time movies. It was weird in the pandemic. I mean, you wanted stuff. Uh-huh. You wanted, you know, things. It's 
it's hard to, you know, it's hard to believe, but January was a very different vibe mm-hmm. than it is now. You know, people were really wanting things, I think. And yeah. Here so was, I didn't see the Wonder surprise. Woman movie either. So, Well, here's my big surprise. I, out of the two of those, I, I'll never watch either one of them again, <laughs> but I actually enjoyed Justice League more than Wonder Woman. I heard a lot of people say Wonder Woman just was, it was I, I liked the first one okay. I mean, yeah. there was a lot about it, but they said this one just was not good. It was just a it was just a mess. It yeah. was just it was just a mess of a movie. And, I mean, she's great. She's great in everything. I mean, she actually made Justice League, you know, way better than mm-hmm. it should have been. But Gail Godot is uh, awesome. For me, the thing about Justice League was it just felt so serious and so. It wanted to be like we're a movie for grown-ups, and mm-hmm. there's no easier way to make a movie that doesn't yeah. feel for grown-ups than to try and make it. You know, it's like, look, we're serious, and Batman swears, and the heroes kill everyone, and it's like, oh. it just was trying too hard, I think. Yeah, but that's it's, the way Zack Snyder likes. I mean, I, yeah. sincerely, that's how he likes his heroes. I'm sure. I mean, it's well, like, there's whenever you're making comics for adults, I think we have two perfect examples of how to and how not to uh, right now that just came out. Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's really dark, grimy, gritty, dropping F-bombs, just being extreme to be extreme. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's the way to do it. And then on the other side, we've got Amazon Prime releasing the Invincible animated series. Is it is good? so good. Is it really? Yeah. And it's just... But it, that's made for two completely different. I no, mean, it's made. It's made for comic book fans who are adults. But that's not I, what the JLA is made for. Who's it made for? JLA, it's made for millions of more people that have never read a Justice League comic book in their life. Yeah. Well, it's, not, I, comic it's just kind of just kind of the idea of how to do mm-hmm. something that is going to appeal to adults as opposed to kids. You know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I love, I love the Invincible cartoon. I, I, I see what you're saying, but I think, I mean, I think it's two completely different sort of things. If you're, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're making a uh, animated series on, you know, whatever Amazon that's based on a a comic book by uh, Kirkman, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a totally different thing than. Hey, you're making the franchise film for Warner Brothers superhero universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that comes with two different types of expectations, two different mm-hmm. types of uh, pressure, and and oh yeah, but uh, but yeah. what I'm talking about is the the execution of it. If you're trying to make something that is appealing to adults or an older audience with superheroes i think that invincible shows how to do that and be entertaining without being just too heavy you know it's like it's like Zack snyder's movies are like meals with too much butter in them i mean they're just like so heavy so heavy and and i think i I, I, I see what you're saying i think a better example would be the boys okay yeah sure or i was gonna say because it came out well, that's zeitgeist. You know what I mean? Like the mm-hmm. boys hit people that don't give a shit about comic books that have never read a comic book are watching the boys and love it mm-hmm. and don't even, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's what, that's what Warner brothers wants. They don't 
give a shit if co- the the hundred thousand comic book fans that exist in the world, right, or oh, in the United yeah, States, yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? They want the hundred yeah. million that want to go see the Avengers movie, mm-hmm. and, and you know that's that's a different thing. Well, I you think. figure that's why they brought Whedon on to do that, and he apparently I didn't see the theatrical release, but apparently it was a lot jokier. Yeah, and to it, try and lighten yeah. the mood a little bit. And they they lighten. I mean, they literally lightened up. Like I think that big battle at the end took place in the daylight in the Whedon version, in the nighttime in this one. And I mean, you know, and it's like I mean, I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but probably the best thing that ever happened to Marvel movies is they couldn't get the rights to Spider Man, they couldn't mm-hmm. get the rights to Fantastic Four, and they couldn't get the rights to the X Men. So they take Iron Man, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk. Captain America, heroes that people maybe knew, maybe most people had never yeah. heard of Iron Man. Or no, yeah, right. And then they, you know, gave each one of them their movie, built interest, and then when the Avengers came out, everyone wanted to see it. I mean, the, the thing with DC's movies is you've got the three most recognizable superheroes ever, arguably, and it's mm-hmm. like it should be a billion dollar movie without doing anything, it should mm-hmm. bring people in the theater. Yeah, and on the weirdest thing, I think that DC does TV better than Marvel has. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, Marvel's changing that with Disney Plus, but I mean, DC is has for some weird reason in animated and in live action on TV been able to do a pretty decent job. I mean, you know, going way back, you know, going back to Smallville or going back to mm-hmm. Lois and Clark. I mean, really, you know, way back, and then. But Marvel or something, Kevin Feige or whoever, I mean, you know, I remember before Guardians of the Galaxy opened, there were some people saying, well, this is going to be Marvel's bomb because nobody knows who these characters are. And, of course, it was their biggest movie to date, I think. It yeah. made a ton. And now, yeah, you know, after mine, t- that may be my favorite Marvel movie. Out of, out of the MCU, that's mm-hmm. one that I will, yeah. I think Suicide Squad's going to be that. for. That's Disney. what I was going to say. It's done, it, you know. You get that. I mean, that's why they hired him. They wanted their guardians. And, you know, there's an R-rated movie that's going to have violence and swearing. But it Deadpool. has. Deadpool. But it looks like fun. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. Deadpool was fun. And it was an yeah. R-rated superhero. That was the kiss of death. Whenever they said that they were putting out Deadpool and it was going to be R-rated, they're like, oh, that's going to bomb. Yeah. You know. And it was huge. And people liked I liked it. Oh, and it was I great. Care less that's about awesome. the character of Deadpool. I like both of them. Yeah. You think- and Dynasty Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really want to see that. I think it looks, it looks like great. so much fun. Where did I see the gal? The gal that played Domino Gunn. just popped up on something, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Gal Gadot? No, no, the gal oh. that plays Domino oh. in Deadpool 2. Oh, um, um, she was in. I just saw her. She in was something. in Joker. Yeah. She was the girlfriend in Joker. The, the girlfriend. Yeah. yeah. Do you think we talked about a little bit? Uh, I was talking about the other last episode, or I don't know when. I think it was ACTV episode. That a little bit of the difference between Marvel car- characters and DC characters is that you know DC characters are a bit more iconic, and I and I mean that in the sense that they are more cardboard cutout. You know, Superman is the big blue. And mm-hmm. and Batman is the Dark Knight, and the Flash is the Red Speedster, and Green Lantern is the Green Guy. You know what I mean? And they're very simple mm-hmm. sort of characters. Whereas Marvel have always been a little more complex, not a hundred percent good, 
not a you know a little more broken vessels of characters and i think that makes for better movies i would agree i mean spider-man you know i mean you know batman you know you could say clark ken and superman they're the same person but you know different personalities of bruce wayne or batman but spider-man is Peter Parker in that, whether he's in the suit or not, he's Peter Parker all the time. I mean, he's either failing or he's, he's coming back from a failure or something. And it, yeah, I agree. I think it just, I think that's what people want in their superhero movies now is somebody, you know, I mean, you have Iron Man, but the reason they did all those, you know, they developed that way to have a shot of his face inside the helmet is because they're paying to have Robert Downey Jr. act in these movies, and they're not going to have him behind a helmet for 90% yeah. of the movie. And Hence, why, why Iron Man 3, he was either not in the armor or had his helmet off. Exactly. You know, like most of that movie. And I mean, I still think that maybe the genius move, or maybe it was a stroke of luck, was them casting Robert Downey Jr. way back then, because that solidified that character, and that was the seed from which everything sprung. And it established that these heroes have their own personalities and aren't just the hero. Like, I mean, you know, Chris Evans has one of the hardest jobs in those movies. It's so hard to play a, just a good guy. Mm-hmm. It could be so boring. I mean, Chris Reeve did it and Chris Evans does it and he mm-hmm. doesn't make it boring. He's an interesting character, but you never doubt that he's like a good guy. He's not like a, you know, smart Alec or anything. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think as much as I like Gal Gadot and and I you know, I think Henry what's his name? Cavill. Cavill is a good actor. I like him too. I like him, but I don't think that I don't think any of them have much in the way of personality. I don't think that they emote much personality. I Come on, didn't you watch The Witcher? I did, and he has zero personality. <laughs> I, <laughs> I liked him in the Mission Impossible movie he was in, where he basically mm-hmm. played the villain. Then yeah. I thought he had a like, oh, this guy. Let's mm-hmm. have him bring a little more energy to it, you know. But I think I just think that the casting is just it, it, like, you know, what's his name, Khal Drogo as Aquaman. It's like that guy is he is so far away from what anyone who has read an Aquaman comic. Exactly. And it's like he's awesome. He, you know, it's like he's mm-hmm. a a badass dude, but it's like, he's just him. Right. And there's no depth to that dude. He's, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing there behind. And I think with all of them, Gal Gadot, I think is maybe the best. And even she is relatively flat in the sense of like, she's, you know, very beautiful. She's very stoic, uh, but there's not a whole lot there to grab onto. She's so, she's great as wonder woman because she, can really give you that um, ethereal beauty and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that sort of like, you know, a goddess sort of character, but then you, how do you connect to that? And it, like Aquaman, I don't I think that's what they tried to do in 1984 and it just didn't, didn't work. Just didn't they tried really hard. And I don't think it was, I don't think it was her fault. You know? And why is Aquaman such like the bro character, you know, drinking and I, I mean, he's a, trying to find a way to make Atlantic. Aquaman cool. Well, I mean, you've written him. How do you, how do you, how do you make Aquaman as a sort of like, you know, a, 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 a longshoreman, you know, kind of a character. I, I don't mind that. But then when you sort of like put him, 
you know, where he's surfing on the back of, of, uh, you know, one of the, the demon parademons and, yeah. you know, Hey man, you know, and it's just, everything is, yeah. Oh, Hey, yeah, man, my, my man, yeah. you know, it's just, everything is that it's just it's like, so, I mean, it's the, I know what they're trying to do. I just don't think it works for that Aquaman. I mean, it's, you know, but funny enough, I think I like the Aquaman movie more than other than wonder woman. Mm-hmm. It's I've heard people say that. I haven't seen it, but I've heard people. Yeah. It's probably I like my favorite DC movie of, of because the, it's fun. It is it's, fun. It is fun. It's fun. It's yeah. It's not you know trying to you know grind people's skulls into powder and that kind of stuff. It's, well, Zack Snyder. I mean, he I, the, okay. On a positive note, I mm-hmm. will say this: he does. Everybody says he doesn't get these characters. He doesn't understand superhero character, and I will agree to that on one side of it where he doesn't understand sort of the, the things that I think a lot of comic book fans love about these characters. But what he does get is how to make them look cool. Oh yeah. Oh, I would agree. There were plenty of like, okay, this is a fucking awesome scene, but that's all that movie is. It's right. a bunch of awesome scenes strung together with very little in between. You know that you know the scene where the entire team comes together and the slow motion pan and it's that impactful moment where yes, they are together. This is the mm-hmm. team. He did that seven times. Right. We did that. We did that <laughs> one scene in Avengers. That one spin around shot in the Avengers. You know, we're waiting for it, and here it is. And this- if it's if it's cool once, it's going to be cool the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh hey. time. <laughs> credit, credit, but I will say this: they did the same shot in Wandavision. You know what I mean? They like did do the same shot in Wandavision. The same right. fucking shot. It's like okay, that's a little much. Uh, you know, it was like, that was funny. <laughs> and speaking of Zack Snyder making things cool is. I think back to his Watchmen movie, which, you know, it took, aside from changing the ending, I mean, it was like, it used the book as a blueprint. And yeah. sometimes that worked. I really thought the, the Dr. Manhattan origin was beautifully done in that movie. Mm-hmm. That was probably the best part. The scene that I always think back to when thinking about Zack Snyder is um, when Night Owl and Silk Spectre are in the alley and a bunch of people attack them. And then they fight them off because they're former superheroes. And in the comic, it's like a desperate, brutal fight. And at the end, they're just like, ah. and they barely made it through. And, you know, it's nasty. And in the movie, it's just cool. It's just right. like, look at him, kick ass in slow motion. I'm like, that kind of missed the whole point of this. Yeah. And then they got to bang, and then and then they got to bang it out. Exactly. Well, you know, and they got to play uh, Leonard Cohen. Hallelujah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, he's he's a little he's shallow. I, I think Zack Snyder is a shallow person. I don't think there's well, a whole... if not a shallow person, a shallow filmmaker. Yeah, shallow. We'll we have some other movie. comments. Uh, Gordy Adams said JLA was made for people who like video game graphics and little storyline. They love those cutscenes. It was like hey, all Gordy. Like four hours of cutscenes. Mm-hmm. And then Gordy uh, chime in. I don't know who this Facebook user said oh. Zack Snyder is an ice cream flavor that does not taste right to me. So there you go. It's, not a, very, it's a very polite way to put it. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if want... you like the Justice League movie and it brought happiness to your life, more power to you. I will say I probably did like didn't it more than it. I liked the original. I didn't hate the original cut. It was okay. There were some nice things in it. You know, there were some cool things to see. 
this was like it was like a lot of cool shit you know so it was hard not to like all the cool shit but it you know but it was four hours of like of not even really a movie you know i will say this for it i when i watch it i could see the director behind it this was one man's vision mm-hmm. whether i like that vision or not but i mean it was not you know and his he vision, had a vision and he brought it to the screen and his vision is in a four by three ratio that's right yes and it, yeah, that, that may be my favorite part of the whole movie the uh <laughs> the note at the beginning better when cyborg was looking through the world's financial system and then we had a giant computer graphic of a bull and a bear fighting and i was like does he think that the markets actually fight with each other? Like a bull market and a bear yes. market fight, yes. and then one wins, and that's yes. what determines the market. And they do it on the stock trading floor oh, they do. at the first of every month. <laughs> that's why they have a bell. Well, that was made for a lot of his fans are brokers. I mean, a lot of Zack Snyder fans. <laughs> that was specifically made for them. But What I want to talk to Will about is, because I haven't, had a chance, and this is something going back a little ways as far as films, but uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a yeah. movie that I want to talk about with you because I think it is it is my favorite. I love Quentin Tarantino. I'm I do too. I'm with you. Tarantino fan. I think it might be my favorite Tarantino film. I may agree with you on that. It, it varies, but it's way up there. Way up there. And I don't know how Leonardo DiCaprio did not win best actor he was so good i mean brad pitt won and deserved it i mean deserved it but brad pitt was such a movie star in the movie but yeah DiCaprio. i think dicaprio if he hadn't won for the revenant a couple years ago i think he would have won for this i think that was the only reason the scene two scenes in particular with him that i thought were unbelievably good the one which was i i believe it was ad lib for the most part was where he he goes to the set of the TV show where he's playing the bad mm-hmm. guy and he goes in and he fucks up his lines and then he goes in his trailer really? and he's just like throwing shit around. Oh, and, so and good. Free fucking. Oh, he's yelling at himself <laughs> about too <laughs> <drinking laughs> many whiskey sours and just like that scene is unbelievable. So good. But the scene leading up to that where, uh, you know, he's filming with, um, what's the old fan? Tim, Timothy yeah, Olaf, yeah. and you can see, you know, you can see his confidence get rocked the moment that he screws up his line, yeah. and he goes from a decent actor to a terrible actor who is overcompensating. Now he's insecure. Mm-hmm. Yep. That scene was so fucking well done. I I don't think I've ever seen an actor portray something so subtle so well ever in my life like i was just blown away by that. i would agree and i remember people saying why do they have to have all that stuff about on the tv show that was so long and boring i'm like no it was great and it had to be you couldn't just have all these cuts you had to see that whole thing develop yeah beautiful and then the scene and, after with the girl and then he oh, yeah. brings it back and he, he delivers a real performance when so she good. says, 
That is the best acting I've seen in my entire life. (laughs) She's like cheering up. It was great. It it could have been like so silly, but it just really worked so well. I love that movie. I saw that movie opening night because I'd been dying to see it forever. Me too. And then I took my my wife, like, I don't know, the next week or something, and she didn't know anything about she knew it said at the Manson era that and she said because she's a big true crime person but she said I don't want to go see a movie where I don't want to see Sharon Tate get carved up pregnant Sharon Tate get carved up on screen and all I said was they don't show that that's all I said but that ending it's so it's just (laughs) you're waiting for it and it just feels so good when it happens it's like like he you know it's a revenge flick flick it's a revenge wait you have a flamethrower That was, and you know, I went because I watched it like a wait the one from the movie Blu-ray. When Brad Pitt is doing work and he goes in the shed, the flamethrower is there. Yeah, it's sitting in the shed, sitting there, and he's listening to to, the Snoopy Red Baron song on the headphones, which comes out when he goes out. When he goes out in the uh, in the robe and the frozen margaritas, it it, to yell at the the Manson kids. So good, good. And you know, I heard people say like. Well, they didn't deserve to be killed. They didn't even do anything. And I'm like, you're defending the Mason family? (laughs) Well, actually, they, at that point, they They didn't. They, uh, the, uh, hadn't they had, they had already killed. No, the LaBiancas were the next night. They were the next night. Okay. Okay. And I like how in the movie, you know, Charles Manson, that never really happens to him, but you get the feeling that he just, faded away this goes away yep that's that's the ultimate reality is is that sharon tate goes on to be one of the biggest stars ever and 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 rick dalton gets a new career somehow rick dalton gets a new career by gets what meeting uh polanski and you know yeah did you see that um two things about that did you see one that uh quentin's releasing a, a novel of it Oh nice. And he said the he format is just it's it's a uh, the format is your basic normal small like airport drugstore paperback. That's Ooh, the format. Dime, dime, so it's supposed to be store. like a book you bought back then. Of course. Yeah. That's and the awesome. other thing is if you don't have the soundtrack to this movie, you oh, run right. out and buy it cuz it's it's got all those songs. It's got like 40 tracks plus all the commercials and all the radio cuts are like interwoven in. It's that sounds, great. that sounds like a good vinyl purchase. It's incredible. I, I put it in the car and I'll just drive, and it's just uh, it's so I good. have the double vinyl, uh, yellow sunset, uh, wow. 180 gram. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll grab it. Hold on. Hold nice. on. It's great. It's so That's... much because when I when I was in the theater, I'm like, I'm gonna get this soundtrack because I always get Quentin soundtracks. I'm thinking, I hope mm-hmm. these radio commercials on her and everyone I... is on there. Pulp, Pulp Fiction is still one of my all-time favorite soundtracks, followed very closely by Reservoir Dogs. Oh, it's incredible! I mean, those are those are two those are two of the greatest soundtracks ever of any movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. And you think about you know the songs he brought back, and the two Kill Bills are really good too. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. Let me see here. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I'm seeing. I'm seeing if Sal's vinyl is still available. Oh, it is. I love that. And it's thirty thirty American dollars. So, yeah. Um, and I and I I figured out what Domino is in. I'll have to 
whenever it won't matter to you because you haven't seen Invincible yet. No, I haven't seen Invincible. But I did start, I started watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier today. Yeah, and so to, uh, real quick uh, shout out to uh, uh, for our Patreon. If you want to become uh, a, a patron of the show, you can do so. Go into patreon.com slash around comics, and you'll get to hear what Sal and I think about the Falcon and Winter Soldier because it oh, okay. uh, it's on our ACTV. So um, the long and short of it, we both really enjoyed the first episode. Second episode, eh, cooled yeah, off a little bit. The first one so far. Yep. First one's great. There, there it is. Beautiful. It's uh, yeah. This is the. There was a couple of different editions of it, but I just love it. Has a lot of set photos. Oh, I love it. The album art, and then yeah, it's a hundred and eighty gram yellow. Yep, yep. I'm getting one. I'm getting it. Oh, by the way, um, a Domino in Deadpool Two was played by Zazie Beats, right? And she is the voice for Amber um, in uh, Invincible. That's where I saw her recently. Amber, Uh, Mark's uh, girlfriend, Amber. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. So she's voiced by Zazie Beats. It comes with a. Once upon a time in Hollywood map, nice. nice, and with all the like advertisements, red apple cigarettes, and it's a map of the stars. So it's yeah, it's awesome. you awesome. know one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, and it doesn't involve a single actor. That scene for the end. From the- hey, Will, can you actually picture? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, is that better? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, the scene saying? toward the end, and on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, when the lights are going down and when it's getting dark, and all the neon lights come on on all the restaurants. Oh, oh yeah, it's just such an. I mean, people think Quentin is just this like, oh, he just likes violence and swearing, but it's exactly the opposite. He like has these quiet moments. He's incredible with dialogue. I mean, the the so good. Two, well, I I absolutely agree with you. I think this was. I think why I like this movie so much is because it shows everything that he's learned as a filmmaker in the nine other movies that he's made. I would agree. And he shows it all. Um, But one of the scenes, and I don't even know why I love the scene so much, but the scene when Sharon is walking in downtown by the, and, and, she crosses the street and the camera doesn't follow her. It stays across the street and just watches her walk down the sidewalk. I don't know what it was about that particular scene, but it was just like this, this like forlorn moment. I don't know. It was just something about it that he captured. And I can't even explain why, but it was just this beautiful scene of her and the, the decision to not follow her with the camera and to just, take that long shot and watch the street and all the street signs and everything that she passes by was just, it was brilliant. It was just, that's what makes him a great director. Yes, but, he knew, yeah. and, you know, and there was, you know, he didn't do any CGI with that. They redid every storefront down there. They blocked off streets. They did all the cars. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The one, I mean, what's it's the his one? love letter to Sharon Tate and to LA at that mm-hmm. time. Oh yeah. That time period. Well, he talked about the fact that he felt like, you know that was 1969, and that changed Los Angeles. That mm-hmm. the, that event changed Los Los Angeles forever. Because you know before then it was like people didn't lock their doors. People weren't 
afraid to go out at night. People were, and then all of a sudden you had this thing that no one had ever dealt with before, never seen anything like it. And it changed LA and it really, you know, he, oh, yeah. he felt like for obviously for the worse. And, um, and if you, yeah. you know, you read back then, I mean, cause the, you know, the, the Tate murders were horrifying. And then the yeah. next night, the this lobby other lobby. family got slaughtered. And then people were like, what is going on? Cause at first, I re- in Helder Skelter, the cops don't even connect the two murders for some reason. It took them a long time to figure out it was the same people. They had two different, you know, groups of detectives. One, and, and it was a weird thing of like, they put all the young detectives that were sort of inexperienced on the, I think it was on the LaBianca mm-hmm. case. And then they put all the older ones on the Tate case because it was more high profile. Right, right. And they didn't communicate at all. It's insane. Yeah. It went on for a while. And they, you know, that's why it took so long to, to catch them. Uh, did you, moving on to something that you, it just sparked in my mind, though, but did you watch the documentary series on um, uh, the uh, Night Stalker? Yes. Yeah. And that was another, <laughs> oh my goodness. That was I well. Know. And that was really about- good. And I, I mean, I only knew the very broad strokes of that story and talk yeah. about horrifying oh i watched that, that at night by myself and did not sleep well that no, night. Yeah. Out. yeah they did such a good job they really did and the yeah. one woman they talked to who when she was a little girl she was abducted and he took her and whatever he did he let her go but god knows what happened to her before he right. let her go and i mean the mere well, fact that she's like seemingly a stable adult is credit to something but oh and that was the th- like i didn't know about that at all the fact that he had molested and abducted a bunch of kids and the cops they spoilers sorry uh if anyone hasn't watched it but they they were like we don't need to drag them we have them like we have them all on all these murders we don't need to add on right kid cases to drag those families through this drag them into court yeah they don't want the yeah. kids to have to test he's them. going away forever anyway yeah it wasn't going to add anything to a you know a hundred sentences or whatever yeah. they you know and the 19- way they caught him they they found out who he was and then like that crowd of people like chased him down chased him down how <sighs> crazy but just the another like how that changed the whole feeling of the mm-hmm. city. Like everyone was just, you know, panicked and, and buying guns and just locking up their houses and freaking out. And then, you know, and it was just like this thing of like, it was so random. You had no idea. Cause he know. would, yeah, he wasn't like targeting, like just, you know, brunette women or something. It right. was like, could have been anybody. Oh, and he came yeah. into their homes and, ah, oh, what yeah. a nightmare. Unbelievable. Well, that's cheery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he still women. You know, somebody married him after he went to prison. Which oh, he was a rock happened. star when yeah. he was in court. He was a rock star. They were throwing themselves at. Yeah, that long yeah. hair and yeah. I have I have the answer to uh, to build the show's audience. Sal, yeah, we are we are going to stop talking about comics. Oh, we're going to have crime? Will. We're going to have Will on every week, and we're going to talk about true crime documentaries. <laughs> um, it I've, will be huge. Yeah, I could do that easily. I, 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 <laughs> we want you, my wife and I. We would watch like everyone on Netflix, and then I think we had to take a break at a certain point. It's just like it's too much. Although now we should we watch this the Gacy one on uh, what is it the NBC uh, whatever that one is the Peacock. I think they're oh, doing a Gacy. Gacy's. Um, what's weird is I remember working at the newspaper and I was just farting around one time looking through old files and 
the Gacy jurors were pulled from Rockford, I think, because, you know, and uh, they had all these courtroom sketches of the Gacy trial in our files. Really? Like, what are these doing here? Yeah. Oh, crazy. Oh, that's kind of weird. I know. It was very weird. And, you know, when um, when they executed Gacy, which was sometime in the 90s. Yeah, he was in a long time. They had the, uh, you know, they do a they do a, a lottery to see who's going to witness it. You know, different every news organization puts in like, you know, we'll be there, this and that, and and um, there and was was there. Well, yeah. no, but there was talk in the newsroom, and we didn't win, so it never came to this. But of the people they were going to send, my name was one of them. They, really? were, they were thinking about it. Now they probably would have just gone with their top court reporter or something but they were (laughs) or the movie guy (laughs) sort of because they were thinking like everyone will get the straight story out of this you Mm -hmm. know the ap will have that in every paper they said but what about sending someone who's like pop culture because gacy was almost like this weird pop culture figure you know Mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean i'm thinking i was kind of thinking yeah i'd like to go but on the other hand it's like do i really want to go and i don't know i really want to see that yeah i don't know but it never you know, didn't come to that. So, if only Will, you could have been a famous, you know, writer <laughs> of uh, you know Gacy yeah. biography. Who knows what you could have? What, what, what then your once upon a time in Hollywood moment. You know, That's right? Changed. I read yeah. a Gacy. Uh, what was it? Tim Cahill, this true crime writer, wrote a book called Buried Dreams about Gacy, and I read it, and it was like when I was done, I was like, whoa, whoa. I mean, that's such wow. a disturbing story. It's really awful. Ugh. And just down the road. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we've got we've got Dahmer up here. Have That's we, right, uh, Dahmer from Akron, Ohio, my neck of the woods. Really from Akron, Ohio, but with hockey. There you mm-hmm. go. That's our connection. Did you um? Did you ever read uh, Dirk Backdorf's uh, My Friend Dahmer? Uh, the, I did. I That's did. really. Yeah. I thought that was really good. It and his Penn State, excellent. By the way, I highly recommend it. And they uh, they made that into a movie, I think. Yeah, they did the yeah. Dahmer one. Which was interesting, but yeah, it's a it's a good graphic novel. Yeah. This Kent State one, I'll say because I went to Kent. He his level of research was insane because I'd be reading through it, and be like, "Oh, I know this street, I know this part of campus." I know. I mean, he drew it to where the recognizable storefronts and restaurants and buildings and everything. It's crazy. Nice. Well, gentlemen, should we try and wrap this one up? Wrap it? <laughs> we talked. No comics. No comics at all. That's okay. Uh, we mentioned yeah. a couple comic things. We talked comic movies. So we yeah, adjacent. Fine. It's look at here. I do. I've, I'm working through the the complete hero. Hey, look at that. <laughs> so I had some bum. Um, can you imagine? What is that the, addition? Is the, that the, a- e- the ego that it takes. He, I had this guy. Hard bound, hard bound the entire run of Hero. No, you did, you earned that because you went to that Morrison con. <laughs> and with all the chaos, you got me uh, Quitely and Morrison to autograph my Flex Mentalo. So I that did. was my that was... thank you to Chris. I was binding a set for myself, so I bound one for Chris. But that, you earned that completely. I, I, the, it it sits on a, a place of honor in my uh, in my office. <laughs> It'll never com- be collected otherwise, so enjoy. <laughs> By the way, I always wondered, you know, the way things have mm-hmm. changed and people's attitudes have changed. There's a three-part story in there where the guy turns into a female superhero. And I always mm-hmm. wonder, like, I mean, I was trying to write it 
you know, I'm sensitively back then, but I wonder how it reads now. Maybe we'll see. I, I love what, what you wrote here. It's yeah, a, a personal message and, and it says, enjoy this never to be collected bit of DC history. <laughs> I wish DC would collect them, but I don't see it happening. <laughs> hey, the movie's coming, right? You know, oh, if uh, only. Uh, there is one comic, uh, uh, old uh, friend of the show, I think someone that we've had on a couple times, uh, Jason Howard. I just got the collected edition of Big Girls, and I'm a couple issues in, and it is um, big, fun, sci-fi adventure with giant women and giant monsters. Excellent. Yeah. It's cool. I'm enjoying it. I'll talk about it more next week. But yeah, Big Girls from uh, Image. Is it Image? It is Image. There is our required comic book talk. There you There's go. your comic talk for the week. <laughs> I, hope uh, that I, <laughs> I did mention uh, ACTV, which uh, Sal and I do every week. We talk about a TV show. And right now we're uh, two episodes into The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We had done uh, WandaVision previously. You can find that on our uh, Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash around comics. You also find stuff like Tom versus the Freedom Fighters. So uh, all you folks out there, I, and we know that there are people who are specifically doing the Patreon for Tom's uh, uh, one input. person. One person. Well, one it was it was it was it was her and her and her partner. So that is two people. So there are people that are doing it. Uh, we've got Sal's Future Stacks, which is every Sunday. He uh, talks about all the cool and and possibly uh, possibly cool comics coming out in the, the week ahead. What to, what to look for at comic shops? I need to get another interview in the books and do a thirty minutes with. And, uh, yeah, there's that and all sorts of other fun stuff at the Patreon page. I did add a uh, a couple of uh, tiers at the mm-hmm. Patreon page. So there's some new tiers uh, if people are interested in some kind of uh, different goals that we're possibly going to try and reach. Um, and also a cheaper tier if people just want to help and support the show. So that's all at patreon.com slash around comics if you'd like to support the show. And uh, you can do that there. So, oh, uh, yeah. Yay. Yeah. Oh, and uh, this Thursday, is it this Thursday? This Thursday, are we playing D&D? Yes. We are playing D&D, mm-hmm. ACD&D, Thursday live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. We'll be there. I'll post that uh, soon, I think. Yeah. It's uh, 7.30 Central Standard Time. Something like that. Yeah, yeah we We're usually get that going. There I always go. mark where... Mm-hmm. But uh, I always mark it for later than I think we're going to start because I yeah. never, you know. So. Yeah. Will, we're, we're all elves. That's all. all. Oh, I Everyone. was an elf back in my D&D days. <laughs> Everyone. We have been half-elf, actually. Half-elf. We have I a half-elf. We, we do have a half-elf. Elves. Four different elves and then a half-elf. Yeah. I haven't played for a while, but my daughter was just playing virtually today with the school group. Now she's it's playing. Make, it's made a huge comeback. My yeah. kids wanted to play. I think it was Stranger Things was a big part of. Like, yeah, you may be right. When the, I was a kid playing D anD D way back in the early '80s, we had a kid in our group briefly whose mother was born again, and she, he she told all our parents that we were worshiping Satan in the basement and we were wearing <laughs> black robes and hoods. And our parents, to their credit, 
pretty much laughed right in her face. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was a little concerned because you had the whole satanic panic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That damn, Tom Hanks were... movie. that damn Tom Hanks movie. Well, apparently <laughs> we're, right. we're, we're getting back to that. Apparently there's a big... There's Lil Nas a... X. <laughs> yeah, Lil Nas X is causing more <laughs> satanic panic. Uh, we're we're back in the eighties. Maybe those maybe we'll... shoes are absolutely possessed by the devil. Oh, man. They are. They are. Uh, I think make... Nike, Nike isn't happy about this. No, <laughs> they're not. They're <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did he just make the shoes? What happened? Yeah, they're they're like, like refurbished Nikes, I think, aren't they? They. Yeah. Something. It's they're probably... ugly. Yeah. yeah, they're all know, ugly as hell. Want to wear those guys? <laughs> I, but I'm not a I'm not a shoe guy, so yeah, I'm not one of yeah I'm not a shoe guy either. <laughs> yeah, those people but, were yeah. weird weird shoe collector people. Yeah, imagine spending oh. that much money on a shoe. <laughs> Before we go, Gordy Gordy did have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Will he wanted oh, to know what Gordy. the poster on the back of the wall? Oh, uh, way back there. It looks like a um. What did he say? Hold on, let, let me. Find, he said it looks like a lobby card. It's an old lobby card. It's for a movie called Girl on the Run. And I think I got the framed poster like an estate sale or something. Oh. I've never seen the movie, but it's an old like cheap film noir kind of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's cool. It's always cool. Those are always cool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's been hanging there forever. Nice. <laughs> and you do uh, a couple of different podcasts. Will, if you want to plug yeah. it. We do, um, although we haven't done this one in a long time. It's been a little tough with COVID and kid issues and that. But I do, um, well, I do with uh, our friends Ben Teed and Zach Cruzy. We do pictures within pictures. I know we're recording an episode next week, so that'll be fun. So we'll have two coming out fairly soon. And then um, out of theaters, I do with my friend Billy Culpa. We haven't done one in a while, but we're gearing up to do some more. So that one's movies, pictures within pictures, it's comics. So. Is it just Zach talking about Ditko the entire time? We should do, you know, Zach. That Ditko book is it's the shit now. It's 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 hot. I, you know, yeah. I designed the cover. I should alert that. Oh, I didn't oh, know did that. You? Nice. Yeah, well, it's based on an old Steve Ditko, but we mm-hmm. when I manipulated it and reworked it, and then the reprinted because it's it's going into a second printing. That is going to have a really good back cover. That like mimics an old comic book back cover and everything, and a sexy picture of Zach to go with it. So, All right. well, I was supposed to do his author picture, but we could oh. never. Yeah, and he was in Michigan, and I was in Wisconsin, and there's a big lake between us. So there is a big lake. So you're telling me I'm actually going to have to read this goddamn book now? It's pretty good. It's an academic book, but it's uh, people are loving it though. People That's good. It's good. all about that. It starts off. The first thing is about his when he met he met Steve when he went to his office and knocked on the door and. Met Crank Creeper. What a creep. I'm so glad he did that, though. Oh, yeah, completely. <laughs> Turned him into an assassin wearing a Rorschach mask. And <laughs> that did it. Yeah, we, we had we had Zach on uh, to uh, talk a little bit about uh, the Rorschach series because it's leaning really hard into the Ditko, the Ditko. mythos. Did yeah. you ever see, you remember the uh, Masters of Comic Book Art? videotape from the 80s that harlan ellison hosted did you ever see this it had interviews with like frank miller and will eisner and kirby and oh, like yeah, all yeah, seen, and it. steve ditko is in it but he doesn't he reads a, a prepared statement he doesn't he's not on camera he doesn't give an interview and I, my roommate when he had it he would always do this announcement saying and now steve ditko will read his terrorist statement and then he, <laughs> and he, he doesn't mention comics of course at all it's all you know it's like a mr a monologue what it is uh, but it is his voice so you get that <laughs> that's, there you go that's Steve. cool 
All right. So yeah, that's that's all of our business. Uh, check out Will's podcast. Uh, uh, still running the X-ray specs. Still am. I actually posted some stuff uh, this year so far about the books I read and the movies I watched last year. So I believe I read that. I'm gonna keep that going. All right. And I do. I can't say anything else, but I am working on a comic book now. It will be out this year, but I can. I literally. I legally cannot say anything else about it. Well, that's good. I, yeah. That sounds like it's a good thing then. Oh, yeah, I, but that makes it real. The fact that yeah. I could be sued if yeah. I open my it's, big fat uh, mouth. You and Hillary Barta are working on Zack Snyder's SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> That's right. Six hours long. <laughs> it's it's dark. So dark. It's SpongeBob for adults. <laughs> That's right. This it was meant to be. SpongeBob's mm-hmm. already for this adults. This time, Squidward yeah, it is kind of for already. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, so that, that's all I got. Are we good, Sal? I think so. Yeah, man. I all think right. that's. Uh, yeah. Thanks again, Will. Really. Oh, really thank you for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Well, whenever whenever we uh, found out that Tom wasn't going to be here this week, uh, you were the first person that was mentioned, and we didn't mention anyone else after that. So you were you. Were, no you. one turned us down before we came oh, to you. Oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, once again, big thanks to uh, Mr. Will Pfeiffer. And I'm sure we'll have him back on. Maybe we'll do a 30 minutes with Chris one of these days and and uh, catch up uh, once you have some comic book news to uh, to release. Maybe that would uh, would work. Uh, Sal uh, and I will be back on Thursday with some ACD&D and then all look the extra for, Patreon um, stuff. Mm-hmm. Look for uh, Around Comics Crimecast coming from me and Will. That's right. <laughs> Exclusively on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do a catch a murderer. <laughs> serial killer cast. Yeah, There's got to be some sort of like comic book connection we could do there or something. Like some well, there was, who was in the 40s or one of the crime comics guys did like kill somebody. There's oh, like some murders in comics. That could be the first episode. We'd research that. And there we go. We'll have to talk about this. We'll Jack Kirby was killing Vince Coletta's hookers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. For that and more, tune in next week. In the meantime, in between time, we'll be everywhere in and around, and around comics. comics.